0: Hello and welcome again to another episode of Two Ways News. I'm Tony Payne. No, hang on, I'm not Tony Payne. I'm Philip Jensen. So where's Tony Payne introducing this? Sadly, he is in his sickbed. And so you have me alone this time as we address the issue of the day that I want to draw your attention to. It's one that's not hard to draw your attention to because it's in all the newspapers and the broadcasts of the world at the moment. And that is the issue of War. We've had a war going for over a year now between Russia and the Ukraine. And there's that other war that is not getting quite the same news broadcast, with Azerbaijan and the uh, Armenians... But the one that is now so much in the paper as to push the Russians and Ukrainians off the front of the page is Israel and Hamas, as it gives leadership to the Palestinians. It's in the newspapers, partly because it's just such an extraordinarily dangerous and worrying war, but mainly because of the sheer horror of the invasion, of the incursion that the Hamas led only a few days ago into Israel. It's a horror not because of just war, but it was a horror because, seemingly, the way in which they conducted the war. In any war, truth is the first casualty, but it seems pretty clear now that Hamas have taken on this fight with such a character of callous barbarity as to arouse opposition from almost everybody. Even people who have been pro-Palestinian have found what Hamas has done in the killing of families in the barbarity with which they have killed them, in the beheading of babies, as it is said, that that they've lost sympathies. They've united their enemy so that the state of Israel is now unified in opposition, and they've aroused the possibility of a terrible, terrible war ahead. The mention of babies reminded me of Psalm 137. It's the horror verse of the Old Testament. I don't know if you know that one, uh, but it is the horror verse of the Old Testament. In fact, it's considered so horrible that some prayer books even omit it. And people say you can't really read that as a a psalm in church. And I've never seen a hymn said to it. Because the last verse of Psalm 137 says, Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. It's brilliant poetry because it's so shocking in its crude barbarity. Our problem, yours and mine if you're a Bible believer, is that this is inspired by God. I mean, some of the translations have, happy shall he be, which is pretty dreadful. A person who's happy doing that to babies, what, what name would you give to such people? I mean, they really sound psychiatrically disturbed in a very extreme sense, aren't they? How could you be happy doing such a thing? But it's really worse when you look at the Hebrew of it because it's really saying, blessed. Blessed shall he be who takes your little one. That is, he'll have God's approval. He'll have God's blessing. It's even worse than just being happy, which in itself is sick. Have you ever pondered on the subject of the ethics of war? Hamas's error is breaking the ethics and code of warfare. (laughs) I mean, Hamas and Israel have been sending all kinds of rockets against each other for days and days, months, years. But this, this is worse. This is something different. This has a different character. And this has broken the ethics, the morality of of war. But have you pondered about that? Have you ever thought about it? What do you think makes some aspects of war immoral, illegal? I mean, what we do in war would be condemned in peace, If somebody shoots somebody in peacetime, we lock them up. We think this is a terrible crime to kill people. And yet in war, that somehow is acceptable. The ethics here, the morality is really the issue of inhumanity. I think that's the word that could be used. War crimes are when people conduct war in a way which is considered to be beyond the pale, beyond any moral necessity, beyond any kind of humane treatment of other people. But what are these things that are so dreadful? It's not a crime just in the sense of breaking the law, breaking the international law, as if that could matter in a subject of international warfare, but it's being criminal in that other sense of the word, that is excessively, extremely immoral. To kill civilians, women and children, in particular, children especially has a barbarity about it, has a terror element to it. Rather than any real advance in the cause, it's just terrorising the opposition. And, of course, in the killing of women and children is that sense of genocide, that sense of obliterating your enemies so that they no longer even exist and live. Psalm 137 then is blessing, God is blessing the worst of inhumanity, the dashing of little babies' heads against the rocks. No wonder we don't like the psalm. No wonder it's the horror psalm, horror verse of, of the Bible. But when you read the psalm in context, well, does that change things? you remember that? It's the Babylonian captivity. I mean, this psalm starts off with the taunt about the captives in Babylon singing the songs of Zion. The opening verse has been turned into several songs, even popular songs, though some of them lack the seriousness of the taunt. By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung up our lyres, for there our captors required of us songs and our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion.' It was bad enough to be a captive, it was bad enough to be a slave in Babylon, to sing the songs of Zion for the entertainment of the Babylonians. Verses 4-6 to of the psalm speak of how the psalmist refuses to do so. How could he possibly sing the songs of Zion? Zion was the most important thing in his life. How could he do such a thing in a place like Babylon at the request of the enemies of God? And then verse 7 to 9, the last little section of the psalm, calls upon God to remember the enemies, the Edomites who, when the Babylonians were taking Israel, taking Judah captive, the Edomites were joining with glee at the destruction of Jerusalem, at the destruction of Jews. And then Babylon. What of Babylon? Hamas. What of Hamas? What does God think of people who act like that? Blessed shall he be who repays you for what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. You see, these verses ask us what is the nature of justice? What do you think justice is? I think it's more than correction and rehabilitation or deterrence. I think they are good side effects, byproducts of justice, but they're not really justice. No, no, justice is giving people what they deserve, be it good things like wages because they've earned them or bad things like punishment because they've deserved that as well. And so the psalm is saying, blessed shall he be who repays you for what you have done for us. It's the repayment of the Babylonians. And the repayment has limits in the scriptures, (laughs) you know, no more than an eye for one eye or a tooth for one tooth. You can't poke out both eyes in punishment for poking out one eye. There is a limit. The repayment must fit the crime. What the Babylonians did was bash little ones' heads against the rocks. That's what they had done. They didn't just take the people of Israel, of Judah, into captivity. They didn't just destroy the temple and pull down the city. No, no, they did it with a barbarity that is said to be the barbarity of Hamas. Actually, The little ones, the children, the babies. What is fair justice to people who torture children? What is fair justice for people who decapitate babies? Blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done for us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rocks. The harshness of the verse powerfully captures the full horror of sin. It's not approving or requiring child bashing. Its strength as a verse, as a piece of poetry, relies on its unthinkable horror for its powerful emotive effect. You see, this verse is expressing the extreme sinfulness of sin. Just how degenerate humanity will descend to, how far humans will go in rejecting God, that the only way of just punishment would be to dash babies' heads against the rock. It's sadly not unique in Bible or in history, is it? I thought about it and I could remember a couple of other cases where this kind of genocidal murder of babies occurs in the Bible. I don't know about you, you can think of a couple now. I'll tell you the couple I thought of. Pharaoh in the time of Moses, killing the little Jewish boys there, the little Israelite boys there. That's why Moses, if you remember, got put into the reeds in the river. And then the other one, of course, is Herod in the time of Jesus, killing all the little boys in Bethlehem. It's when people are so hostile to God that they will kill God's people like this. It just shows the full horror of sin. It just shows how sinful Sin can get, doesn't it? But the verse also is expressing the corporate nature of sin. We we are great individualists, aren't we? But no, this is expressing the corporate nature of sin. For the babies aren't at fault. And yet when we go to war, we take our family with us. When we go to war, we take our nation with us. It's the idea that you see running through the Bible that as in Adam, all sin, your sin, my sin affects not just you and me, it affects our children and our grandchildren. It's a horrible thing, you see. But these people's sinfulness in the name of the Palestinians, in the name of Hamas, in the name of Gaza, are opening up the whole of the community to terrible warfare that may follow. A warfare that we don't want to have, but a warfare that is understandable because of its response to such ferocity. And this verse also expresses that there's no forgiveness without atonement People want to forgive rather than to punish, and that's right. Mercy triumphs over judgment. But forgiveness without punishment is not forgiveness. Forgiveness without punishment is acceptance. It's acceptance of the evil. We're not forgiven because God has forgotten our sinfulness or because our sin is kind of minor, just a little bit of naughtiness, nothing really significant, of no real importance. No, no. When the city of God is destroyed, when the little ones are barbarically slaughtered, when sin is exposed, even we can see that punishment is required. <laughs> it's very sad. It has to be something as grand as the Holocaust to reach the stage where we will say, yes, that deserves to be punished. It has to be something as horrific as the image of little children being brutally killed before we say, yes, that That deserves to be punished because we are so sinful ourselves. We do not even see the sinfulness of sin. But what do you think is required for God to act justly? Well, the answer of the scriptures is the cross. See, that's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why Jesus died and chose to die and, in fact, had to die. That's why it was all so barbaric killing him that way. Because our sin is so appalling, our rebellion against God is so ghastly, it required God to take upon himself the horror of our sin in all its force for us to be genuinely pardoned and forgiven. Because sin is so awful, justice is so harsh, and at the same time, God's love in Christ Jesus, God's grace is so amazing. Real justice, like Psalm 137, makes us recoil in horror. But actually, it's sin that should make us recoil in horror. Sadly, it's only these extreme sins that have this effect upon us. The killing and beheading of little babies, the gas chamber of the Holocaust. But let's not remove Verses like Psalm 137 verse 9 out of our Bibles because these are the very verses which touch the reality of human wickedness down the centuries and around the world that awaken us, awaken us to our own sinfulness and prepare us to see why God's salvation was so terrible, so horrific as the cross itself it helps us understand how amazing is God's grace. Well, next week, I hope to have Tony back with me so that you can have two voices talking to each other. Thanks for bearing with me now. How about we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for us, that your justice could rightly be implemented and your mercy and grace could be so far extended. And we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.